I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Accepted the podcast. the podcast, and I am not Theo, and I am not Juliet, and we're not here today, but we are really <laughs> <laughs> the existential crisis. And that's right. Are we here? Where are we? What are we doing? We were, we were just talking about what, what are we doing? doing? Jesus, what I are know. We doing? Uh, but we are broadcasting today um, about a certain issue. And um, but first, I want to talk to Theo. How's your week been, Theo? What's what's shaking, bacon? I love that expression so much because it is so corny. It is so not something you would say. Um, I know. It's just most ridiculous. And it makes me smile. Um, yeah, so we moved last month and I have been, and that took a whole day. And I've been bragging for the last month about how we just moved and how I've been unpacking. Uh-huh. But like, yeah. honestly, I've talked about it. I've spent more time talking about it than it actually took to do. So, um, yeah, good. We're all situated and settled, and the house just feels so homey now and, nice. and comfortable. Nice. And I drive through my old neighborhood with the window rolled down, and I scream "fuck you" at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm sure the owners love it. The owners. <laughs> they keep their blinds something- drawn. Oh, I bet they do. I saw something in your bedroom that looks like a green rug. Do you have a green rug in your bedroom? I do not have a green rug in my bedroom. I wonder what that was. It might have been a... Maybe it was that wrapped up dead body. Ooh, no, that's not supposed to be visible at all. (laughs) Um, Honestly, it's probably a pillow. I've got like 7,000 pillows. Don't ask me why they're not mine. I don't know how they came into the house or why they're here, but we've got a ton of these (laughs) stupid pillows. It showed up when you moved. Just kind of mounted them all together at the foot of the bed because I have to take them to the storage unit. So it was probably one of those pillows laying on the floor. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, it could be. could be at the foot of the bed. Um, awesome. So I'm very glad that you've moved in and settled down and that it's comfortable. So that's good. You'll be there a couple of years anyway before you Oh, or not. Maybe a year. Is. We'll see. I'm pushing for a year. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Oh boy. I'm ready to move back to California. Um, hi, Texas just passed a law where I could be sued if somebody thinks I helped a woman get an abortion. Oh, it's all about you, is it? Well, yeah, because, you know. <laughs> I don't care about other people. That's why I think those laws are stupid. Poor women who can't have abortions anymore. It's all about whether or not Theo is going to be turned into the police. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't give anybody rides or anything. I love Margaret Atwood. I just don't want to live in one of her stories. Right. Totally. Totally. It's a scary place now. Oh, it's ridiculous. You can buy a gun with the same ease that you can buy a pack of chewing gum, right? Yeah. I wanted to really pronounce that M there in gum. So somebody didn't think I was talking right. about a chewing gun, which I'm sure is coming <laughs> in Texas because they fucking love Probably. their guns here. At least the politicians do. Probably. Yeah. So. And you know that now that they've come for the women, they're going to come for you guys next. Oh, that bullshit's already happening. It's religious liberty. It? Oh my God. I I can't look at gay people. Okay, don't. Ugh, that makes me sick. 
Well, you know, it's just that thing of like, it's a big world. There's plenty of space. Why don't you guys go live in the Sahara? That's where you came from. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, where you came from. Well, they're Bible, they're God, you know, <laughs> that desert God. So full, it's real harsh, but they were extreme circumstances people were living in. Thou shall not yeah. steal, thou shall not have water. Um, uh, anyway, well, let's so go anyway, away from that. Let's get away from that. You I tell me talk something. About that as, How are you? As, as events occur, I'm fine. Um, I worked till Thursday, then I took Friday off, and I was going to go on. Uh, Friday to visit my friend Michelle in Ohio, but I canceled because of COVID. So Delta and everything is hate to say it, but that is smart to fly. Ohio was a horrible state. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you said that. (laughs) There are some lovely things about Ohio. She's she's convinced me over the years that there are some good things about Ohio. So um, so I won't agree with you that Ohio is a horrible state, but I will agree with you that it sucks that I can't go visit, and I'm bummed about that. but I'm still taking the first part of next week off anyway. So uh, I'm going to go see if there's anywhere not too far away from here that I want to go visit. Well, I'm laughing because I thought you were going to say something like, I'm going to go to New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of COVID no. in Ohio, but I'm not afraid of Manhattan COVID. Right, right. No, I was, th- I was thinking about going to Tucson and going to the Botanical Gardens or something like that because they uh, allow dogs and it's all outside and it should be fine. Oh, that would be um, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So I might do that on Tuesday after the Labor Day crowds have left. The labor- Oh, yeah. The Labor Day crowds that will be in Tucson, not the people thronging <laughs> the Botanical Garden. <laughs> Garden? Yeah. You don't think so? I have a hard time. I Botanical gardens are great and they're beautiful. And the two times in my entire life I've ever been in one, I've been like, this is really nice. It lasts about five minutes with me. Plants are fine. Uh, okay. I don't know anything about plants and it really endlessly frustrates me that I can look at a plant and read the name of it and learn about it. And five seconds later, all that information will be totally gone no matter what I do. So I've been to botanical gardens so many times and I like looking at plants, but I never know what anything is. I mean, I can identify like three plants, the California poppy, um, (laughs) maybe one plant. The Ohio poppy and the Florida poppy. That's it. Yeah, and then the saguaro cactus, and that's it, right? Um, so, so that's uh, that's my day, my week. Um, not too bad, all told. Things are, things are good. Um, I've been sort of not slacking off at work, but work has been a bit slow while my one project ends and my other project begins. So it's a nice time for me to take a little bit of time off and, and relax. It's just really sad that I can't go to Ohio, but I'm I'm coping. So anyway, well, wait for that booster to so, come. The booster shot. Oh, I'm totally, totally hoping that's going to happen and that it'll cover all the variants, including the new one and everything else. But uh, I forget. Did you have Moderna? No, I had Pfizer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mask up. Yep. Yep. So this week we're talking about a French publisher called Ellipses, who apologized in January 2020 after one of their history textbooks for undergraduates contained a comment that the September 11th attacks were, quote, probably orchestrated by the CIA. The textbook was called History of the 20th Century in Flashcards and was published 
I think November twenty, uh, no November twenty nineteen, through Ellipses Publications, and on page two hundred and four, if you want to go get a copy and look it up, the author explains the context of the creation of the uh, jihadist group Al Qaeda, and the quadruple terrorist attack of September eleventh on New York and Washington. He then makes the following statement: "Quote." This global event, probably orchestrated by the CIA in parentheses, secret services, in parentheses, to impose American influence on the Middle East, question mark, hit the symbols of American power on its own territory. I think that's an initial, initial, interesting quote, because it seems like it's almost not been edited properly. Well, right. Because the secret services is in parentheses, and then there's that weird question mark. Well, and so that's that's the thing that struck me when I was reading this, uh, because it doesn't it seems almost as if they meant to question the belief that the CIA orchestrated September 11th. So I Uh think it could very well be bad proofreading slash bad editing, clearly bad editing, because whatever it is was not supposed to be there. Well, the author says it wasn't supposed to be there even. So the author is Jean-Pierre Rocher, who's a graduate of Sciences Po Paris and a professor of history and geography. Um, and later on, he said that um, later on, he said that the, the sentence shouldn't be there and, and that he uh, later on, he apologized as long as well as the publisher of the book. Um, and the book came out in November 2019. But it wasn't until um, early 2020 when the daughter of one of the teachers bought a copy and the teacher saw the reference to the CIA, who um, he then posted about it on a Facebook group for teachers where it went viral. And then uh, the world found out about it and printed a lot of articles about about the uh, the paragraph or that sentence in the paragraph. Right. And so the daughter, the daughter of a high school yeah. history teacher is the right. person who clued into, hey, this kind of seems like yeah. you're saying that the CIA... Is anybody is paying any attention to this? Uh, shows how much people were actually studying in France right. for the exam. Yeah. Um, huh. So this exam, this book, was geared to help high school students study for university entrance exams. Right. And the right. Yeah, and the um, the mistake, while it was out in print, was limited to 160 copies of. A, of the book already out in bookstores. So this wasn't like huge numbers, but still it shouldn't have happened at all. Right. And the the whole thing about the CIA um, being behind the being behind 9-11 is not an uncommon conspiracy theory. Um, first we'll talk a little bit about 9-11, I think for those of you who may be too young to, um, I guess, 20. People who are 20 may not remember and are old enough to listen to our podcast. But old enough to vote um, and drive and go to war. So you guys may as well know, like, you know, if you are ever sent to war, what you've been... Why are you going to Yeah. War? Yeah. So nearly 3,000 people died in the September 11th terror attacks when Al-Qaeda jihadists hijacked planes and flew them into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. Another plane, which was United Flight 93... Uh, and was probably intended for the White House or the Capitol building, crashed in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, after passengers fought back against the terrorists. I read somewhere that um, there was some intelligence that initially the targets had been planned to be nuclear um, 
nuclear plants on the East Coast, but that Al-Qaeda had changed their mind and decided not to target nuclear plants because that could, quote unquote, get out of control. <laughs> uh, what could possibly <laughs> happen other than the radiation could get picked up by the, uh, was there a Gulfstream Airstream? Gulfstream, yeah. Yeah, the Gulfstream. Yeah. Um, so, oh, never mind. I'll look it up later. I was going to say, like, what's the body of water that moves through the Atlantic that's that other stream? The thing. Yes, yeah. Yeah. What you mean? The thing. In scientific <laughs> terms, the well known thing. Yeah, the well known thing. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, conspiracy theories claiming the American government was involved in the events of 9 11 are not uncommon. Um, there are a bunch of radio hosts, academics, and even amateur filmmakers who have suggested that the George W. Bush administration wanted to use those attacks to justify military action in the Middle East. Um, so to refute those theories, the State Department and a federal science agency issued reports reiterating that the attacks were caused by hijackers who used planes as weapons. And I keep hearing these conspiracy theories about the CIA being involved. And it, it's, it's one of the reasons that it probably has legs, so to speak, is that um, it's not entirely unlikely that the CIA would get involved in something like this. Um, not just the CIA, but other government agencies have actually been proven to have performed things, performed things, done things where they probably should have stayed out um, and perhaps even denied them later and then uh, admitted to it at a future date. One of those things was that the U.S. Department of the Treasury actually poisoned alcohol during Prohibition. Wow. And died. No yeah. effing way. Yes. What happened was, um, well, the 18th Amendment, if you don't remember, um, was passed in 1920 and it banned the manufacturing, sale and transportation of alcohol, but not consumption. So you could drink alcohol, just nobody could make it for you to drink. And so obviously what happened was bootleggers started making their own alcohol. And not only did they make their own alcohol, but they renatured industrial alcohol for human consumption. So industrial alcohol has things in it that um, alcohol for human consumption doesn't. And... Um, I don't remember what those things are, but they're things you have to take out because that you can't you can't di digest or it'll kill you. So um, what happened was the U.S. government was adding ingredients like kerosene and acetone to industrial alcohol to make it more difficult to renature. And somehow either that news didn't get out or the bootleggers didn't care. So oh. that alcohol with kerosene and acetone um, and it went out to people to drink, resulting in 700 deaths in New York City alone. Okay, so that's not, I mean, while they intentionally put uh, acetone and kerosene, but I think the acetone uh -huh. would uh, would really fuck you up. Um, yep. Um, yep. That, that wasn't done to poison people, but more like, hey, guys, don't. Stop drinking alcohol. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously stop drinking stop alcohol. Stop drinking alcohol. But hey, bootleggers or, don't or amateur chemists, like, yeah, this is beyond your league. And so for that one, I'm going to say, like, I can kind of see where the bootleggers were like, well, we don't care. Don't drink a lot of it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's a little bit of acetone in here, and that's going to, like, dissolve your esophagus. So tablespoon. So, like, be careful. <laughs> and, and I could say well, that because I'm from a family of bootleggers. All right. Brag, brag, brag. My great uncle. <laughs> Great uncle or great great uncle um, used to drive up to Canada and load up his trunk with alcohol and drive it back down to uh, Pennsylvania and sell it. Well, my parents did that. 
I think everybody along the border of Canada is related to a bootlegger somehow, some way. I was going to say my parents did that from Pennsylvania to Maryland because alcohol was cheaper in Maryland. But they didn't sell it later. They just drank it all. Oh, well, then they're not really bootleggers. I guess they're not bootleggers. They're just tax dodgers. <laughs> boring tax dodgers. They're just, um, you know, um, what's the word? Cash. Normal. Cash normal. <laughs> yeah, normal. Uh, I remember those trips we used to take down to Maryland. It was like a whole weekend thing. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I'm just, just, just picturing your parents with shopping carts, spending two days loading them up. Right. So <laughs> we filled our trunk for sure. So, yeah, I bet my mother doesn't listen to this because she'd be horrified. Well, she's um, got an iPhone now, so she and may. still do. <laughs> God, I wish my mother had never gotten an iPhone. Now she can text me whenever she wants. Fortunately, she doesn't want to very often. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's a whole other story. So, okay, so the other incident, which I think you'll agree is, is, is bad all the way around, was Tuskegee. Oh, of course, yes. Yes, in which um, men with syphilis, black men with syph- syphilis, were told they were being treated and were actually not being treated. So were allowed to, in many cases, um, uh, die from syphilis. Right, yes. Yeah. They were being studied to see what happens to human beings who have contracted syphilis. And syphilis had been around for, what, 2,000 years by that point? Yeah. Like, we didn't really need to study know. it, everybody. We kind of know what happens. Right. So that was bad. Another incident was the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which I was not really aware of. I had heard of the Gulf of Tonkin, obviously, but I didn't know what was going on there. Um, so the Gulf of Tonkin incident led to the war in Viet- the U.S. war in Vietnam. And it really, um, parts of it, important parts of it, actually never happened. So supposedly the story is that a U.S. ship was fired on by a missile and then engaged three Vietnamese boats on two different days in August 1964. And this event caused Congress to pass a resolution allowing LBJ to intervene in Vietnam. However, the NSA actually declassified documents in 2005 showing that this incident on August 4th, which may have been the cause of the Vietnam War, never happened. Huh. So somebody, somebody lied about it. Um, there was maybe somebody was reading the wrong sonar I heard was po- a possibility. Um, I don't know, but it seems, it seems fishy to me. Um, the next incident that is a government conspiracy that actually happened is MK Ultra, And I'll refer everybody back to our earlier podcast on, um, whatever it was on. Oh, we well, it MK was Ultra. on Tuskegee. It was on Tuskegee. Uh, we talked about MKUltra in that one. So that's the fishiest government conspiracy. Um, but another one is Iran-Contra, which you lived through, Theo. I oh know my God. the same age. Um, and I never really understood what was going on in Iran-Contra, and I guess I never cared to find out. But in a nutshell, uh, what happened was in 1985, senior officials in the Reagan administration facilitated the sale of arms to Iran, which was under embargo. And then Oliver North helped the government take the money that they got from the profits of the sale of the arms to Iran to fund the Nicaraguan Contras, who are anti-communist rebels. So um, they're Nobody was ever charged for anything. Well, some people were charged, but nobody was ever convicted because the administration refused to declassify various documents. Um, so the document, so the so the charges for supporting the Contras were dropped. There were a lot of hearings, a lot of public hearings to show, a like, lot of we're really looking into this, everybody, and we're going to figure it out. Oh, hey, look over there! Wow, Susan right. Sheridan's just wearing a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> And 
wasn't there a thing with Oliver North? Something about his personal life, or am I confusing oh, that with somebody who else? Oh, no. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's like... I don't know it's either. It's so dumb. It just, it's just one thing after another. It was, uh, yeah. So I don't trust the government anymore, personally. I don't think that they're doing nefarious things. Well, okay, maybe they are doing nefarious things on purpose and not telling us. But for the greater good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that distinguishes me from a conspiracy theorist, but um, maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist. Well, I think we're all prone to believe things which support our own understanding of how the world operates, right? Sure, um, sure. Yeah, I mean, without getting too big there, um, a lot of people don't trust the government. And and fine. And with good reason, I'd say. Sure, yeah. I, I don't have any uh, flag in my heart for, oh, God, I'm going to, oh, it sounds bad for the United States a government. A flag in your heart. A flag in my heart. Um <laughs> But, I mean, lots of people don't trust the government. However, I also, I don't think that the government is on purpose. Oh, God, I don't know. Isn't I know, that right? dumb? You can't really say that. It's <laughs> no, like I'm hearing myself talk and it's like, oh, you moron. <laughs> but then when I go the other direction, I'm like, oh, you moron. It's like, of course you can't trust the government. But at the same time, the government is not some horrible, nefarious new world order. So I guess it's just that. You don't think so? But, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> I mean, the rich are interested in self-preservation. Protecting themselves. Right. Sure. We're all interested in self-preservation. Um, sure. And so the system is gamed towards protecting the people in power. And that's a horrible situation until you're one of the people in power or you get a direct benefit from that power. And then it's, you know, the degrees well, of it's okay. not necessarily. I mean, so there's a difference between self, the interest in self-preservation that people experience who, say, wear masks uh -huh. versus the people who don't wear masks. Uh, does that even make sense as, a, as an analogy? Sort of. Well, I, I mean, don't I don't know. If you're talking about belief, then I can... I'm talking about some people care about other people and some people don't. And nothing hmm. has been drilled into my head more strongly during this pandemic than that. Um, and I think that applies that applies to everybody, right? Uh, through all levels of government and society. There are some people who care about other people and some people who simply do not. Right. And I think that, that I'm saying that it's harder for me to believe because I had always believed that people cared about other people. And hmm. it's just become obvious to me that some people don't. And it's hard for me to understand. But then I guess, so here's where I'm going to do some wordplay, right? It's about the definition yeah. of care. Right. So, if, well, the, okay, Bill the definition of is, is, um, <laughs> right. And so maybe, and I'm, I'm imagining here, uh, that yeah. a non mask person would be like, right. I really care that the government doesn't control you except your vagina. They need to control that. But <sighs> the, aside from that, like, I really care about your personal freedoms and you shouldn't have to wear a mask if you don't want to. And therefore I'm going to be a symbol of liberty and show you that you don't need to. And hooray, hooray. Um, so, so, mm, mm, mm. I, well, that's a possibility. I, I mean, suppose. I always Somehow want to I believe feel like that's not the case. It's probably not, but I always want to believe that people are doing the right thing and then the right thing. Yeah. Right. And then what's and then right just depends on your own personal interpretation. For instance, to bring it back to September 11th, as horrible as that uh, event yeah. was, those hijackers believed they were doing the right thing. 
Now I'm not here yes. to support the hijackers, so don't send me emails, right. anybody, but or tweets, right? You can gram me. Um, I yeah, you know, and that starts to fall down there. But it's like they really believed in what they were doing and that it was a right and necessary thing to do. Um, they must have, because otherwise, why would they have put themselves in a position where they were going to die? Exactly. You know, they must have believed they were doing the right thing. Right, and even if they were on the fence, they were enough. They were close enough to that line of this is the right thing yeah. to you know to yeah. throw their lot and kill tons of other people. Um, right. So and their yeah. their religion does believe that it is um, acceptable to kill innocent bystanders in pursuit of their aims. It's supportive. So. It, it's yeah, in pursuit of truth um, or the ultimate yeah. truth, right? Or. Um, yeah, and I don't know enough about that to to speak intelligently on it. Just that, like, yeah. that's sort of what I've picked up from the news, and kind of. I'm not going to say the internet, but just the news in general. The news in general. So let's bring it back to the apology that was made. Um, oh yes, about nine. What were we talking about? about? The 9/11 comments. <laughs> In an apology on the website, Ellipsis said that Mr. Roche wished to delete the sentence. Uh, the the um, publisher said, This phrase, which echoes conspiracy theories devoid of any factual basis, should never have been used in this work. It doesn't reflect the editorial position either of Ellipsis publications or the author, it said in French. Ellipsis went, to claim, went on to claim that the author of the textbook was um, wanted to delete the words in parentheses. The words in parentheses. I think that meant the words. Yeah, they meant the, wait, oh. The, uh, the whole thing. Yeah, the whole thing, yeah. Okay, so they went on to claim that the author of the textbook wanted to delete those words and that it was adding a correction online and in all books that had not yet been sent to bookshops. So in a statement to the BBC, Ellipses added, opinions could, quote, of course be freely expressed in our books, but under no circumstances can an inaccurate or unfounded fact be presented as an objective truth. Uh Yes, you're going to say something. Oh, uh, no, I was. Uh, And the uh, CEO of Ellipse, the publisher, whose name, and we're going to try this in French, everybody. So, hi, French listeners. I'm thinking of you as I say, Buick Benazer. So, (laughs) (laughs) how dare you laugh? My French is impeccable. Beautiful. Thank you so much. went on to say, we have proofreading and supervision. Pro- well, actually, what he said was, we have proofreading and supervision processes, but oh, we let pass this baseless sentence against our scientific values. Thank you. Very good. And the publisher also said, our company has had the mission of transmitting knowledge and producing educational works for almost half a century. As such, we bitterly regret having allowed the sentence to escape our vigilance concerning the attacks of September 11, 2001. They also said they made a formal correction to the book, both in print and online. And I went and looked at the website that one of the articles linked and everything has been taken down except the fact that the book still exists. So I think they must have... uh, reeled in those books and made the corrections. Oh, this whole thing has been so scrubbed. I went through like Google images trying to find original screen captures. No luck. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I didn't go into, what's it called, Alexa? The Wayback Machine? Yeah, the Wayback Machine. Yeah, I didn't do that. Okay. I didn't go anywhere looking for it, so I didn't find anything. Um, So how do we feel this apology? How, How do we rate this apology on a scale of one to ten? 
where 10 is the best super apology possible. Right. I'm going to give this a real solid four, maybe a 4.8. It's it's pretty... Well, really? Well, I think I'm blaming Defend them for yourself. the event. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to. Um, I feel like they did... How's the apology? Right. I feel... Yeah, yeah. It's a five then. I mean, it's just... it. It just doesn't feel that big to me for such an error, right? For, I don't want to, I'm going to use the word besmirching again, but somebody somewhere wasn't doing their job and somebody somewhere let slide a um, personal opinion or inserted a conspiracy theory, right? Yeah. Um, Or just anti-U.S. sentiment. I'm not going to blame you there or anybody. Um, Yeah. So it, it also just the fact that like the apology is now gone other than in these few news right. articles that I found. Um, so I hear where you're going. I do like that they issued a correction that they um, put forward a press release. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I just think something bigger and I don't know what that bigger would have been for me to get them to like a six or a seven. But part of the reason why I'm giving them we'll call it a 4.5, a 4.5 on this is that the French, where'd we go? The French legal process on defamation is a bit broader than it is in the U.S. So uh, in under French law, where did we go? Any allegation or imputation of an act affecting the honor or reputation of the person or body against whom it is made um, is liable for a defamation uh, case or, yeah, I guess case is the word I'm looking for. So I just feel like, mm, How is that different from here? Pardon? Oh, I, I don't know how it's different from here. I should have looked that oh, up. Oh, I thought but, it was. Um, okay. the, I think it's defamation and libel are a bit harder to prove in the U.S. and a bit easier to prove in Europe. Okay. But how and why, don't know. But papers are okay. a lot more careful uh, in the U.K. with, I mean, as, as salacious as the tabloids are, they are a lot more careful about uh, what they say than uh, we are in the states. So freedom of the press is is sacrosanct in sacrosanct in uh, in the U.S., but not in the U.K. Mm-hmm. and and by extension Europe. I know nothing about any of that, so I will take your word for it. I will take your word for it one hundred percent. Okay, all right. So I feel like we're on different different. Um, places here with our apology rating it sounds like i'm thinking that the apology was quite good it mm-hmm. seemed like it was heartfelt um it said uh, it should never have happened uh that the thing they said doesn't reflect their position they took the um thing out of the future future issues of the book they made a formal correction online and they bitterly regretted it. So I think um, the only thing they didn't do is say what they would do in the future to prevent this from happening again, which I think would have been useful information and interesting. So uh, because they didn't do that, I'm only going to give it a seven. All right, cool. Um, so we're not yeah. 
terribly. You didn't give him a nine. If you'd given no, them a nine, no, I would have been like, "Ooh, I really need to rethink." It's weird that I need to rethink my position if you go <laughs> super high, but you know, I'll say you're one of the few people in the world who um, gives me pause to reflect on my oh, own personal you. viewpoint. Um, you say that to everybody when we differ. No, most okay. people. I don't hear most people when they talk. <laughs> He just waits for a break. I just wait for them to breathe. (laughs) And then, yeah. All right. So that's how that relates to me. Um, No, I'm I'm teasing you. I know. So who's sorry now? Who's sorry now, Theo? Do you have a who's sorry now this time? I do. I do have a who's sorry now. Um, So who's sorry now is uh, me. I had an elderly friend named Margot who has passed away and we worked in the same industry um, and she was very sweet and I always enjoyed running into her at trade shows and I really enjoyed she lived in LA we'd go out for dinner every now and then and she was one of those Mm -hmm. industry colleagues who it started to border on friendship I really really loved her as a person and of course I respected her as a colleague Um, so cool and then I moved uh, mm-hmm. We moved to Dallas, and I sort of lost touch with Margaret, but she would send me emails every now and then. Hey, how are you? And yeah. like, oh, I'm fine. Great. And this was before the age of social media, but just the dawn of social media, so 2006. Yeah. And Margaret sent me an email that was about September 11th and how, oh. uh, how all these, like, oh, just all this bullshit, Right. I, yeah. I can't even remember what it was. I just remember reading through it. And uh, September 11th is is very personal for me. And yes, it is my superpower kicking in about taking any event yeah. in the world and, and making it mine. Why is it personal for um, you? So I have, uh, he's alive. I had a boyfriend who worked at the World Trade Center and oh. for the stock exchange in the first tower. And he would I go see. have breakfast um a couple times a week at Windows uh-huh. on the World. And oh, wow. uh, when the plane flew into the building, I had clients who were in town and I had to be up yeah. very early. So yeah. they were from uh, Britain and that's relevant because they got stranded in LA for in three extra US. days because no, there was yeah. simply no, no air, air travel. And uh, for that day, I didn't know if uh, he was alive or dead. And the news on CNN was horrific. And I spent most of the day envisioning uh, what could have happened to him in great, great detail. Um, And so... I didn't realize you were still in touch with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, not now. Not Uh now. Now the the passage of time cooled those embers, but... Uh, they were still burning, uh, in my heart next to that flag. Um, yeah. So, so that, that was a very tough day, but then my family, Pennsylvania lives three hours away from, uh, Shanksville where the plane went down. And when that happened, I was like, wow, okay. I get New York, but in Pennsylvania and not that three hours Mm -hmm. is so close to my family. Right. But my aunt called me with news that uh, fighter jets had been seen 
and that the speculation in town was that the uh, flight had been shot down, right? Um, right. And so, all right, cool. That was United 93, which we now know and or, um, well, we now know that uh, that passengers brought that down. Um, but even, even so, it was like, wow, this is really so close to home. Uh, it just yeah. felt like planes were going to be falling out of the sky all around me. Um, I see. And so then when I went to work at a different organization, uh, the guy who uh, was my boss, uh, his brother had been the pilot on the American Airlines that uh, flew into the Pentagon. Oh. And so every September 11th, uh, news crews would come and speak with Brad and ask him about right. his brother and his experience and all that. So wow. when I got this email from Margo that was kind of a forward of like, here are the things that don't make sense about September 11th and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was so offended and so mm -hmm. angry that anybody would even suggest that this didn't happen that I never spoke to Margo again and I didn't email oh. her uh, back uh, and uh, she later became ill and I got a message from a mutual friend who said, hey, just so you know, Margo's, uh, you know, in a home and she um, she's pretty sad and lonely and if you called, it would really brighten her day and I didn't. Um, mm. And now I feel bad about that. I feel very bad about that. Um, but I just, I couldn't, you know? Sure. Um, and so that is my apology for this week. Margo, I am, I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry that I allowed my personal angst, I suppose, uh, to, to get in the way of our friendship. I should have just simply said, Hey, Theo, come on. Lots of people believe lots of crazy bullshit and you know let it go but i didn't and uh there we are that's heavy yeah wow. i know well um you know and you is. know she wasn't your friend so so i think you can be forgiven but i'm not here i mean i'm not the one who does the forgiving in this world so my opinion means nothing oh but, but you are in my world i personally forgive you <laughs> that's all i need <laughs> Uh, so yeah, yeah, so uh, so big, so heavy, and um, you know that's there. There we go. Um, yeah, okay. I'm gonna put that over on a shelf in a nice little box and never touch it again. Uh, it's not <laughs> something I go through every September 11th. Usually, I just like dodge the day, and it's not like it has such a huge yeah. giant impact on me that you know that I need it to. It was a rough but day. It was a real and fucking rough day. Even rougher for somebody who has somebody that. That was in the towers. That's really harsh. That's really scary. Well, happily, he was late for work that day. Um, Thank goodness. And yeah, there, there we go. All right. Well, my who's sorry now, since you asked, um, is is not about really nine eleven. But uh, I couldn't think of any nine eleven related who's sorry now for me. And uh, it's really only tangentially related to the story today. Um, it, we talked about an author who said something that they they regretted saying or that they didn't actually say or something. And it's, this is around just writing in general. So um, when I was in high school, my father um, belonged to a writing a writer's group. Cool. And uh, yeah, he was a writer. He, he used to write articles for publication in like, um, 
I don't know, the Gun Pennsylvania Digest. Game News. And Gun Digest, yes. <laughs> 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 yes. So about hunting. He was a hunter, and he used to write about hunting a lot. Um, and it would be published in various hunting-related publications. So I never knew that. So he was in this writer's group. I didn't know you didn't know that. Um, but he was in this writer's group in, in Chapel Hill, I think it was. And they put together uh, an anthology of, of stories from all of the writers in their group. And we're going to publish it. And um, the story that he wrote was a story, he said, was a story about me and my horse. And I never saw this story. And one day it turned up missing. And my father always blamed me for stealing it because I think he thought that I didn't want it to be published. I didn't know that there was going to be a story published in an anthology that my dad had written. And I didn't know that, I mean, I barely knew he was in a writer's group. I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly wasn't going to go into his briefcase or wherever he kept the story and steal it. And he should have had another copy. I mean, this is before the internet, but he should have had two copies of the story. I'm just going to say that. Um, he could have had a Xerox. I think we had Xerox back in the 80s. We had we? Xerox. Yeah, but I mean, okay. weird. I don't know so, how people kept safety copies of stuff when... Carbon copies. Free. He could yeah. have had a carbon copy of it when he typed it up. He could have made a carbon copy. So, um, yes, I he, uh, he owes me an apology for accusing me of stealing his story. He never got to be in the anthology, although it was published. Um, and his picture was on the front with the other, other uh, group members. Uh, his story was never in it. And I always felt bad about that, even though I have no reason to feel bad, because I didn't steal the goddamn story. Why would I do that? I didn't, why would I even think about doing that? But anyway, so I'm obviously still bitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, huh, it's not a stretch to say if there's only one copy of a piece that you've written, yes. you could lose that one copy. Right. And yes. that doesn't mean somebody stole it. But maybe it's easier no. to blame you than it is to say, oh, I, I lost it. They used to blame me for everything that went wrong around the house. Like if, if a dish was broken or anything that happened, it was always Juliet did it. So obviously I stole this story too. But, and, and then finally, when I went to college, my mother said to me, you know, those things that we used to blame you for are still happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ha ha, it was never me. Uh, anyway, that's my family life. Darn, I'm going to say, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know what it's like to be blamed for everything that goes wrong in the house, because I never was. No, I'm totally kidding. I was for everything. It was all, I was blamed for my sister's behavior. And it's like, were you really? Dude, you're raising her. (laughs) Or not. I mean, I I didn't call my mother dude, and I never said that, (laughs) but I sure thought it. Oh, you're such an influence, though. It overcame any raising that your mother was doing. So (laughs) your sister thought so highly of you. Yes. It still does. It still does. This is how I know she doesn't listen to the podcast. She will (laughs) never call me to complain about that statement. I don't get it. (laughs) I like your sister. She's spunky. (laughs) All right. So that's all I have. Well, I'm going to say that's all I have, too. Um... We're gonna. Right. We're gonna. Um, I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna say goodbye. We're gonna go off and yeah. say goodbye and go about our lives. And we hope that you will have a great day and a great week coming up. Enjoy your Labor Day, even though you won't hear this until after Labor Day. Enjoy uh, everything that uh, everything you got coming to you. <laughs> Only if it's Bye. good. Bye. <laughs> Bye.
listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.